Welcome to the Twin Day Podcast, Rethinking Entrepreneurship. Providing founders of color with resources and tools to grow and scale your business. I'm Brittany N. Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer here at the EC and your new host of the Twin Day Podcast. Twin Day is key Swahili for Let's Go. At the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, we're on a mission to make Nashville the best place to start and grow a business for all entrepreneurs. Growing Tennessee's over 105,000 businesses founded by entrepreneurs of color will lead to broader community prosperity for all. Here at the EC, our Twin Day Accelerator is leveling the playing field for entrepreneurs of color with world-class curriculum, coaching, and community to grow your business. This show is a production of the EC, and it's all about engaging in open and honest conversations with incredible Black and Latina business experts, investors, and other successful founders located throughout Tennessee and other parts of the U.S. On this episode, you're going to get to hear from some of Nashville's best and brightest entrepreneurs for a candid conversation on what it takes to thrive as a Black entrepreneur. Before we dive into the gems, we would like to extend a very special thank you for the generous support of the David and Rebecca Clements family for making this Twin Day podcast possible. Let's get into it. Listen, this this conversation right here, like I'm I am the student on the stage, okay? Because this is about to be so, so good. So I'm just gonna go ahead and open it up. But I'm just going to ask each of each of the founders, we'll start with Lee on the end, to just uh, briefly introduce yourself and tell us what makes you most excited about the work that you get to do. So tell us who you are, a little bit about what you do, and what makes you most excited about the work you get to do. I am originally from Detroit, Michigan, graduated from North Carolina Central University. So yes, I went a long way away from home and never moved back to Detroit. It was a little too cold for your boy. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> my first job was here in Nashville. I worked for a company, uh, Southwestern Company, which actually one of the lo- oldest companies uh, in the country and one of the oldest ones in Nashville as well. So in college, I was one of those kids that sold books door to door, straight commission in a part of the country where I'd never been. So I sold in Gary, Indiana, Macon, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, throughout Louisiana, so kind of all over, all over the place. When I left the company, I became a sales manager after I graduated from college. And then uh, after two years, I went into financial services. So I actually opened Edward Jones's first metro office. In the past, they'd always been in the rural country, rural areas. That wasn't really for me. So um, I got them to let me open up in the city of Nashville. So I opened up on Clarksville Highway uh, back in, in 1994. So it was definitely a different location for them. That that location is still running. They moved over to Metro Center. A guy named Sean Johnson has it now. And, and then after I left there, I started my own investment company, Bolette Investment Services. So I had that company for 25 years. I was in the industry 27, retired a year ago. And a guy named Terrell Perry, who worked with me a couple of years, took it over after I retired from it. Today, I, I, I own and operate a real estate development company, Frank Stanton Developers. Uh, but and then I also co-founded a, an organization. I'm a, I'll probably lean more towards that today, called the Table. And the Table is an organization that's really designed to bring people together, and it's designed to bring decision makers from some of Nashville's major major companies together with people of color to to help improve uh, level of prosperity for people of color in, in in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, especially. And we do it. It's a membership organization. Our website is thetableaction.com. The Table Action. 
Com. The important part about the action is that uh, it's not a, a an organization where we want you to get to know somebody and have coffee for the rest of rest of your relationship. When you get to know somebody, we want them to uh, you know mentor you, sponsor you, whatever it is that you need as a as a business owner, as a as a, a person in corporate America that's trying to move up. You know that's really what the the the, the um, goal is. Right now we're a little over a year and a half old, have a little bit over two hundred about two hundred fifty five, two hundred sixty members. Uh, 18 corporate sponsors. Our last meeting, you know, we had John Ingram, who's the owner of the um, soccer club. He's he's one of our advisory board members. He was there. I mean, he's a he's an active member. Um, just to show you kind of the impact of having somebody like that there. One of our other members, Richard Friley, owns In Shuttle. They were in a conversation together. They met at the table. At the table, you got to be at the table. So they, they met at the table, and Richard's company contracted with with um, the soccer club to do the first two soccer games. So they did the transportation for the first two soccer games from that meeting. And that's the action. And so that's what we talk about. Delisa will uh, possibly talk about some of the things that she's been able to do as a member of the table. But that just gives you an idea of what we're doing. And, uh, and so what I'm excited about is when we hear, when I hear results. Uh, that's that's kind of how we measure whether or not the table is doing well. Are there results? And, you know, the, the cool part is you know, some of the results we know right away because we make make it ha we really help make it happen. As a woman, Cynthia Story, she retired from Allstate, and there was a bank that was starting up uh, that was looking for people of color to have on their board. They reached out to us. We sent them a few names of people that are members of the table. They interviewed them and they selected Cynthia Story. She's the she's a board a paid board. This is a corporate board. This is money. It's not, you know, we're on these, I'm on nonprofit boards and don't pay to ask for money, but <laughs> she's getting paid. Uh, and so we're, we're doing things like that. We're making those connections. Uh, and again, this is just a year and a half in. Uh, so that's what's exciting about it is really seeing those, um, th these results happen. And then, you know, the last part of what I'll say is we ask our members to let us know. My co-founder is Kate Wood, who used to be the publisher of the Nashville Business Journal. So we ask people to let us know as they have, are uh, having successes and results, you know, by, you know, I think we, we get most of them uh, or a lot of them, but every now and then it happens in passing. And somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, I hired her company to consult on such and such project. And we're like, really? So y'all couldn't tell us, you know, what's up? So that, but that's fun because it's, it's becoming business as usual as opposed to unusual business. Uh, what he said. <laughs> are you asking me the same question or is there a different question? Uh, we want to know who you are, what you do, and what you're most excited about. Okay, Denzel Washington. I'm an actor. Now, my name is Bill McCleskey, native Nashvilleian. I'm the founder of My Tech Partners. I'm also uh, an entrepreneur in residence for Twin Day, and I conduct the programming sessions monthly with Twin Day as well, 90 minute sessions. So, I enjoy doing that and meeting uh, with some of the participants one-on-one. -on -one. And I started a company a couple of years ago called The Grind Includes Friday. And I started that company because I wanted to help entrepreneurs really learn how to sell and create a customer acquisition machine. But what really gets me excited as an entrepreneur is I, I want to lean on what uh, Lee Millette said, seeing the results, but really the impact that I can have as an entrepreneur and seeing entrepreneurs fulfill their dream, right, on purpose, I think that's the biggest joy that I get out of the work that I do. So um, 
I'm Dominique Townsend, founder of We Optimize Work. I have a strategy and operations consulting firm. So I focus on optimizing the people, processes, and systems needed to reach a goal. For me, the biggest thing that I enjoy about what I do is that I'm able to go and be that expert consultant that people respected more than they did the value of the people that work for them every day. So I get to go in and be that expert to, to give them the, the knowledge and the know-how. The people that you have have the skill sets and, the, and they have the value that you're seeking to hit these performance goals and being able to be an advocate for that and also show them the processes of how to in, engage and um, involve their employees in operational needs. is um, It brings me joy because I needed that person when I was working in corporate America. So that's what brings me joy. First of all, your voice is amazing. You should do some voiceover. Um, my name is Delisa Garrier. I am the managing partner of Garrier Development and the co-founder, co-creator of Storyville Garden. So Garrier Development is a real estate firm uh, and a construction company. So it's my, I'm, I'm in business with my husband. A lot of people think that he's the contractor, but I sat and took that nine-hour test. So, um, so pretty. Uh, he he lets them know too. So it's and in other words, I manage uh, an adult daycare. Um, so outside of that, Storyville Gardens is a it is a family destination that we're so excited about with um, uh, the theme park as the focus. I don't know if many of you've heard about the theme park coming to Nashville, but it is based off of books and stories from all over the world designed with the intent to help uh, ignite the desire to read. So I would say what brings me joy, it all started because seeing a person get a key to a home was just so fulfilling. And I started off selling homes and, and opened a brokerage, and that's what opened that door. And now to be able to build them and do that. And, and uh, we've grown our company not just in residential, but uh, to be able to do a lot larger projects, multifamily. There are, are families who, who you know, get the keys to an apartment and feel that same sense of, of fulfillment. And that's really the driving force. I think, you know, as we continue to grow, opening up not just to families in the home, but outside of the home and bringing uh, developments and amenities to communities where families can really uh, be impacted and and grow together. So. Hello, everyone. My name is Karen Williams. I am originally from Memphis, living in Nashville since 2017. She Memphis. wants me to say Memphis. <laughs> so I run a company called Cultural Avid, once before called Mentech Agency. We focus on diversity strategy development and recruitment for corporations and startups. And what gets me excited is just seeing the the reaction or the excitement or being able to change someone's life when they get a, a new job or $30,000 increase or just helping someone get into tech. Originally, we focused on tech roles. And so helping someone get their first job in the tech and the excitement, because it's extremely hard uh, for sometimes for people of color to get their first job. So really being able to be that voice and get those roles for them is what really gets me excited. 
Awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm just thrilled about this panel, as you as you just heard. And I, I guess I'll start with Delisa, because we certainly have two real estate gurus on stage, if you did not know, with millions of dollars in assets under management and ownership. But Delisa, I'll start with you. So co-founder of Storyville Gardens, theme park and Garrier Development, like you just shared with us. You mentioned, you know, multidiscipline contractor and real estate development firm. And I know a little bit about your backstory as far as um, initially, even in how you met uh, your husband helping to build his business, his motor company from $1 million to $10 million and, and on to future success beyond that. Tell us a little bit about, like, it, it seems as though, and anyone that has had the, certainly the, the pleasure of li- get, listening to you give a keynote talk, like success follows you. It's like, okay, you're doing this, successful. Garrier Development, extremely successful. Storyville Gardens, is owned by a black married couple, okay? Tell us a little bit about like, you know, how have you been able to build successful businesses? Where where does that kind of drive and vision come from? And what would you say, you know, you you credit your success to? I feel like I know how you're going to answer that one, but you know, I'm throwing them all out there. Well, <laughs> you, you know, I'm going to say this, but first of all, it's the grace of God. Um, and and I, I grew my husband's company, we grew my husband's company from 100,000 a year to just under 10 million a year in uh, in four years, but it 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 has been a um, it has been a group effort. I would say one of the the biggest pieces of of fuel, and I, I I talk about this when people ask me, you know, in real estate, what's the secret or what's, and what I found is there's three things. So there is the people, the the package, and the purpose. Mm-hmm. And when I say the people, the team has to be right. In any, in any venture, you, you can't build it alone. You can't do it alone. And as, as Lee mentioned through the table, I have been able to grow my team substantially um, with just, I'm sure I'll maybe talk about that a little bit later, but amazing organization. I would highly recommend everybody be a part of it. The package, how is it? that you can grow a company from here to there or wherever it is that you want to go without a plan. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, you've heard me say this before, an idea is an idea until you put it on paper and then it becomes a plan. Yeah. And so to be able to have something, you pull it out of your, your mind or, and, and you have it on paper and you're able to share, you're able to find the people who align with that plan and help it move forward. The third thing is the purpose. None of my companies have been based off of how much money we can make. Mm-hmm. My goal is when I can give somebody the keys to a house and just give it to them, you know, a, as a gift. We've done that. So we started in the automotive industry. We've done that several times with cars. And that was that was more fulfilling than selling a Maserati. It was mm-hmm. like the it was the most fulfilling, you know, feeling to to give somebody the keys. And if you allow the purpose and the impact of what you're doing, uh, that the hard impact to, to drive what your mission is, to me, that's, that's my definition of success. It's not how much money comes in. Love that. Okay. I, I'm moderating this, not sitting in the audience. Okay. Let me, let me pull it together. <laughs> 
Let me pull it together up here. Okay. So this is thriving in life and business as a black entrepreneur. And I certainly wanted to obviously, right, the, the panelists, you know, are black successful entrepreneurs. Uh, so we want to talk about success in, in business, but we also want to talk about like success in life. So, um, you know, Bill, you had your camera going up here, you was collecting the, the social media. Talk to us a little bit about, right, when it comes to like, you know, the branding aspect of growing a business of which you've been on a few NBJ lists of top uh, businesses with uh, my tech partners, your, your tech company. How do you leverage social media and content marketing to really build your thought leadership in your industry and grow your business? One, two, a one, two. So, you know, I used to be a rapper back in the day. Hey, listen, can I say something right quick? When I first met Delisa, I don't know if you remember this. We were at a uh, Nashville Black Chamber event, and I walked up to you and I said, your hair is fire. (laughs) I know who she was. And then then she was on the panel that night. I was like, oh, she's on the panel. Anyway, so I, I think that in relation to your question, Building a brand is really important, but I call it having really a personality. I have my phone out, y'all, because I was taking notes when uh, Delisa was talking. But it's really about building a personality for your business because people want to see that you as an entrepreneur are authentic and they kind of want to see behind the curtain. And so I, when I started my company... I wanted to do something that I could do every day online in terms of, you know, branding my company. And I didn't want to, you know, have a campaign here and there and not be consistent with it. And I said, you know what I can do every day? You know what I can do every day? You know what I can do every day? I can be myself. I can be myself every day. So and and I think that's that's what I do. And I can talk about things that I'm passionate about every single day. And that's why I incorporate sales and business development. And I just tell my story. I wrote this book y'all called Get Off Your Assets. And it's 12 principles of how I built my business, right? And it's talking about the struggles and me getting customers and, and building a system and, you know, networking and building relationships. But, but I share all of that online. So if you guys follow me on LinkedIn, you see that I'm trying to really be transparent, so to speak, and, and authentic so that you see the real grind or, you know, the, the tough, the easy and the tough and the successes and the failures as well. Awesome. I love that. And as you are doing that, right, you're building your brand online to grow your business. More people get to know who you are and that helps to foster relationships. So, Lee, you mentioned the table, um, inclusive of the table, but also in your own experience as being a business owner and leader. How have you gone about navigating and building relationships? And I'm going to specifically say here uh, beyond the black community, because I do think that that's important for the founders in this program who are predominantly black and Latinx founders. How do you build with in the community, but also cultivate those relationships beyond it? It's a, a great question. So my wife and I, we started doing this thing called being a tourist in Nashville. Uh, and, 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 and being a tourist in Nashville, not only are we doing things that black people don't do, but we're doing things that most Nashvilleians don't do. And so, you know, in other words, we had to get out of our comfort zone. And people are coming here because they're having a damn good time. And you know what? When we do it, we have a damn good time. <laughs> <laughs> we just went to CMA Fest. Yep, so we did uh, three nights of the concerts. 
I mean, we saw Keith Urban. We saw um, Darius Rucker and um, Zach Brown Band do a duet together. We saw Kane Brown. We, I mean, so we saw all, all, you know, we saw all these people that we all see on TV. You know, people come here, they do tours to go find out where their houses are, and and it, it was it was a damn good time. I mean, it was. We were like, you know what? This is people are missing out. <laughs> People, as in black people, missing out. <laughs> yeah, we're really missing out. Uh, we're, I mean, we're letting we're, 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 there are people coming into our city, they're, and they're having a better time here than we are. We're sitting here saying there's nothing to do. But you go down Broadway on Monday when I go to Rotary. Guess what? They're on those transportainment buses. Woo! You know, having a, I'm talking about a Monday at noon, and oh, I ain't doing that. That's so white. You know what? We gotta get outside of our our um, comfort zones, straight up. So what I've done is I've joined. I'm a member. Of, I'm a Rotarian. I'm a member of the Downtown Rotary Club. I've been on the board. I've been an officer. I'm, I'm coming up on almost 20 years as a Rotarian. I meet people that I would never meet if I just went to fraternity meeting or to uh, sweats or you know the places that we we go. I meet a lot of people, and guess what? They turn into customers. When I was in wealth management, that's, that's how I got outside of getting just black business because unfortunately the statistics are right. We make less money than white people, which means we have lower, less assets. So if I'm gonna build a business, I need to find out where the more assets are so I can have more assets too, right? And, and, uh, and so you have to kind of, again, you have to get outside of your comfort zone. Uh, so you know, look at the organizations you're a part of. Be okay with uh, going, going to events when people invite you. Um, don't say, oh, you know, that's all the way in Mount Juliet. You know, they got Trump supporters. Yeah, get over it. They invite you to an event. It's an opportunity for the network. There's so many people that are in corporate America. When their boss invites them out, they come up with all kinds of reasons why they don't go. But guess what? When they're, when they're in conversations about who's going to move up to the next position, they can only talk about the people they know. And if they don't know you, they ain't talking about you. Or they're saying, well, you know, Lee, he's kind of an introvert. He doesn't really like to come out. He's not really a team player. He's into his own thing. And I'm not, but they haven't, I haven't given them an opportunity to know, know me. And that, so that's what's really helped, helped, helped me. You know, the thing that's really helped the table, I mean, again, we have over 250 members in less than a year and a half, and we started during COVID. Uh, we have 18 corporate sponsors in, 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 in this time period. We, again, we started in COVID. We're able to do that, and we've, and we've made meaningful connections with people of color and majority folks, that they, and they want to meet people. It's not that they don't, it's, you know, one of the things that you find out when you get out of your comfort zone, is most of us are all really pretty much the same. We pretty much want the same things out of life. We want to have a house, we want to take care of our kids, we want our kids to go to college, we want them to be safe, we want to be well-educated, and at some point we want to retire and move to Florida. That's it. Not a whole lot. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be pushing the card at Walmart when you come in in retirement. We have a lot. We have the same things in common, but a lot of times we don't have the same access to those. And so if you don't get outside of your network and outside of your comfort zone, then you, you limit yourself. And people have a, I mean, you know, some, a, a lot of my white friends, I mean, we just have a good time together. And nobody's sitting up there, oh, you know, I had a good time with my white friend today or I had a good time with my black. We're just friends. You know, I got guys I run with, and we run up and down hills together. I mean, some, we do all kind of crazy stuff. So it's really important to look for organizations that really are part of who you are, you know, where you can feel your mission 
and, jo and, and join those organizations and be active in those organizations. You don't have to take it over, but be active, be present uh, in those organizations. And, and they're, you know, it's like Kiwanis Club and, of course, Rotary. And, and they're Rotary Clubs in Smyrna and Murfreesboro's downtown, a couple of them here in Nashville, they're in Hendersonville, so they're all over. And, and most of them are predominantly white and they don't know how to find black people because we hide. So uh, <laughs> I'm just joking, but uh, <laughs> to a Partially. point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so just, yeah, so again, you know, be comfortable getting outside of your comfort, comfort zone and don't, let's get out of this, that's white people stuff or that's black people stuff. This is, again, this is our city. If we're not enjoying our city, then whose fault is that? Because people are having fun here. They're having a lot of fun. And we're at home, ain't got nothing to do. So. I love it. I love it. And, and one, one thing that makes me think about, Lee, is, you know, we, we talk about, particularly in the corporate space, but I think this is true for entrepreneurship, too, uh, this idea of authenticity, right? That, be, that if I go to CMA Fest and I don't particularly like country music, that I'm not being authentic. And I think that that perspective is sometimes limited, right? Because, like, if you are of the belief that you're always evolving, then perhaps there are parts of you that you don't even know yet. So if you never give yourself an opportunity to step outside of your normal dynamic without feeling you're being inauthentic, but taking the perspective that, like, I'm going to step into an opportunity to, to learn something new, to feel something different, that you never would know if you really would might enjoy CMA Fest. So I'm kind of sad I didn't go this year. We were thinking about it, but we didn't go. And, so, and to that point, and I'll and I, shut up. Um, you know, country music is trying to figure out how to attract more people of color. Mm -hmm. So the musicians, I mean, when you look at the bands, the, I mean, the musicians on stage, it's, it's the United Nations. And only people, only place that's not United Nations is out in the stands. And I mean, you see more and more um, uh, people of color that are, that are actually acts, that are artists, that are moving up the chart. I mean, like Jimmy Allen, I mean, he was, they found him at Puckett's playing on the stage, you know, playing on stage. And, they, they, and now he's a superstar. Mickey Guyton, uh, she's got a song out about her Afro. I mean, in country music. And people are buying it. I mean, not us, because we don't, well, y'all didn't know about it, did you? Because <laughs> y'all don't listen to country music. But, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, but, but seriously, I mean, and, and when you hear, like when Keith Urban is playing, I mean, it's not the, it's, it's, it's not the bluegrass, banjo stuff that you're thinking about. This, these are like, these are A-list entertainers. Think about it. Beyonce did a song with, with uh, Chris Stapleton. Y'all ain't know that, did you? <laughs> Man, because you got <laughs> so, Next year, like we, we all, we all going to be getting our tickets, right? Right? Twin day, the twin day turn up at CMA Fest, okay? Thank, thank you, Lee. With the Juneteenth shirt, wait. Okay, so I, I want to bring Dominique. I'm going to bring Dominique into this because we're talking about this idea of uh, being authentic. And so, Dominique, my question for you is how do you bring, I feel like you're such a, a phenomenal example of bringing all of who you are into what you do in your business. So what has that journey been like for you? How do you bring all of Dominique with your sequence, with your bold colors? You know, how do you bring all of who you are into the world of consulting in the corporate environment? Well, I'm glad we transitioned by mentioning Beyonce before this question. <laughs> It couldn't be more appropriate. So, 
And it's funny because I asked my husband, I was like, I need something more bright. And so it's just really funny. So um, for me, I've, I've learned that being me takes absolutely no effort. And so if I remove the effort of trying to operate off a of perception of what I think people should think I should be or how I should operate, then it puts more focus on the intention. So when I work with a client, I, I ask myself, am I operating off a of perception? Do I need to change my clothes so I can make sure they think I'm professional? Or do I need to have intention? I'm here to ensure that they are optimizing how they engage their people and putting processes and systems in place from an operational side. But that does not matter if I couldn't be myself when I first walked in the door. And so removing the energy that it takes and the effort of operating off of the perception versus intention allowed me to be more of me. But it also knows that what my core is of why I took the leap and why I go into corporations and why I'm purposely myself. I even I make sure I be as bright as possible and as me as possible when I go in the door so no one is surprised. And then I know if you can accept me, you can accept you can accept people who look like me in the workplace when we're putting systems in place. And so that's what keeps me authentic. And plus, it, it really takes no effort. It's so fun being me. So it's like, why change that? You know, but yeah, just just keeping the intention first and then saying I'm not responsible for the perception because I don't own that. I only own me. I love it. I love it. So, Karen, let's reflect on that. Yes. Claps and snaps. So you have rebranded. You mentioned that from Mintech Agency to Cultural Avid. Talk to us a little bit about just, you know, reflecting on your journey as an entrepreneur, being a part of the Twin Day program as well as other programs. Uh, is there anything that you would do differently? Right. So almost that question that sometimes you hear people say like, you know, had I known then what I know now, I would have. As a business owner, right, what's that blank for you? Okay, so for me, I feel like the journey was the journey on purpose, right? I quit my job in 2016 because I was going on this journey to find out who I am and what I'm going to be good at because, you know, working in corporate America didn't feel good. And it took me a long time to get there. When I originally quit, a friend of mine said, you should start a staffing company. And I said, no, I hate sales. I don't want to convince someone that they need my solution and then convince them to buy it from me. So I said, no. And I went on this journey of trying to figure things out. And then full circle, I came back to it. But almost three years later, and right before a pandemic, and right before George Floyd, which is unfortunately what propelled my company at that time. So I think the journey was the journey for a reason, but I do feel like if I would have really became like what Dominique finally figured out, like who I am, just really step into that and be confident. I hate imposter syndrome in the word, but I always felt like maybe I don't know enough. I think I remember calling Dominique and saying, do you think I should go back to school and get a certification? Or do you need, think I need to get something that says D&I? Or do I, do I need to have these credentials for them to believe that I can provide the solution? So I think stepping into that earlier and knowing that I was the solution, that I can provide the service, I believe Arlen said it earlier, there are people that are doing the same thing, that are way less qualified, that are making multi-million dollars, and I know I could do the same thing or better. So I think that would be it for me, stepping into like who I am and being confident in what I provide. Yeah. 
I love that. And you definitely have to have confidence when you are making connections. So Delisa, you mentioned that you built a world-class team and obviously we know the place for that. I'm a table member as well. Highly recommend. Quick differentiator for the table too that I think is important to note. I know this isn't a table session, but y'all should know this. (laughs) The difference in the table than what I see in other organizations that are similar is the a level of leadership, right? So you go to a lot of organizations, you see a lot of really great, great people at the table, you're going to meet other leaders. So you're gonna meet other executive level leaders, you're gonna meet uh, decision makers in organizations that again are about making Nashville, Tennessee um, and Tennessee broadly a more inclusive place. So beyond the table or take us kind of behind the scenes of how the table has connected you to people. What does that relationship building look like in terms of what you do one-on-one to help to garner the credibility and the respect to then help you grow this world-class Disney experience, Storyville Gardens team? Yes. (laughs) No, uh, the Bible says the Lord will send you destiny helpers to help you fulfill your, your, your mission. Um, and uh, how many of you all have been to Fifth and Broadway? Yeah, amazing, amazing development. So um, a little over a year ago, uh, I received an invitation to sit on the advisory board for the table. There, I met so many just incredible people, but it was the heart behind it that all of the, this diverse group of people with all these different backgrounds had a heart to help open doors, had a heart to help connect. And about a, maybe about a month and a half after I, um, I joined, obviously, you know, this is, I'm, you know, on this huge real estate journey mission and Kate and Lee said, how can, how can we help? And I, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I may just introduce me to anybody who you you think may want to be a part of this journey. And they had a few names, I believe on the table, but one of the first was Pat Emery. And Pat Emery was the developer of Fifth and Broadway. And um, we got on a call. We had, you know, several meetings after that. So I, I, I laugh now and I say, Pat, I bugged you enough to where you became a partner. But the truth is, I just invited him. I, I, I invited him to, to my meetings. I invited him um, to sit with the team. It's only so much I can share. But when I bring you to the table with my owner's rep team, with my engineers, with my feasibility consult, you know, and, and they're all sharing how far along we are. And, and these are consistent meetings happening once a week. And Pat would sit in. In November, he looked at me and he said, tell me where you want me on this project. And now Pat is honest. I was telling Lee, he's one of my really good friends. I think I talk to him on the phone as much as I call my husband. It's a, it's a, uh, but, but there was a genuine desire for him to join the journey and open the doors. I believe the doors would have been open either way, but they opened a lot faster because these credible people who have done great things have become a part of it. And and I think it's like just, just being able to see through the hearts of people, right? It, it's not about how much money this project will make, but it is because people have joined because they believe in the project or something about it aligns to it. And it just takes me back to that purpose. When you have, when this is your purpose and your vision, people will join you whose visions and things align. One day, Lisa said something to me that actually changed my life. This was about 
It was about eight months ago. I don't even know if you know this, but I told this story to several people. I think Lee said he was at a dinner. I may butcher it, but you guys will get the point. Um, He said he was at a dinner and someone came up to him and they were talking about the Storyville project. And they said, you know, well, I don't don't see how they're going to do it. I don't see how it's going to get done. And Lee said, you don't need to see because it's not your vision. And it was it was an amazing. It was one of those moments that sunk in for me over time and it just dug deeper that when you have a vision, the other people whose visions align or who will be of mutual benefit, you know, where I want to add value to someone else and allow them to add value to me, those people will naturally gravitate and then the rest will be weeded out. Powerful. Yes, that is so, so good. And it also makes me think about, you know, I heard you mention your team, right? You mentioned the different departments that you have. I want to ask you for the founders in the room, because I can remember a time, you know, and I think that the beauty of this too, like I'm, I'm excited to be doing this panel also as an entrepreneur, as I am learning as well. But hearing you talk about departments and then thinking like, oh, well, I just oh, we got to get rid of that word as entrepreneurs, like just, right? Like talk to us a little bit about the makeup of your team because it's not all full time, right? You have uh, quite a significant number of contractors, which I think is important for our phase one and phase two founders to, to have a sense of like team doesn't have to always mean you're in the position to have 25 full-time employees, team looks a lot of different ways, particularly in 2022. Talk to us a little bit about the makeup of your team, Delisa. I, I respect everyone's expertise. And I, I, I've taken the position that I don't, I don't need to know everyone else's as long as they come to the table knowing what they're, what they're, what they're doing. On the real estate development side, and you guys uh, may grasp this a little bit easier. So we have, you know, you have your architect. The architect is not an employee of mine, but I hire them to do a a job. I have a title attorney who they're doing their job and they come and report to me. And so it's no different when, when you look at, at the Storyville project, it's a, there every week, there's about 34 people on a call to report to me updates and, and things that are, are happening. And that is a group of designers who design theme parks. There is a group of ride technicians who work with them to make sure they fit in these boxes that are drawn. There's a group of engineers. When you look at the the flood zones and all these things that have to do with the site that we're working on that are constantly in communication, there's a a group of transportation. Yeah, I mean, it, the list goes on. What, what we did though, was we, we layered it. So we have all of those but they don't all report directly to me. So up under me, um, I have an owner's rep team that consists of construction managers and engineers. They call me on my cell phone. They, you know, we have consistent communication and they keep keep things moving and on time and uh, make sure those weekly meetings are, you know, what are productive. So it is a a interesting makeup of, of people that doesn't even touch attorneys and nonprofit stuff and all the, the other fun stuff. But it, 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 is, it is important to know sequence and to know when to bring who in and to know when to let who go uh, and to have the people around you that can make sure that you're sticking to that. 
Yeah, that's so good. I know Arlen said earlier, um, she's only as good as her team in all the things that she does. So I hear that theme up here as well. So we want to make sure um, that you all have a chance to ask questions. So if there are questions in the room, if you'd raise your hand, I know we're tracking the questions virtually as well. So if you have a question, feel free to raise your hand. And as you all are thinking and gathering questions and typing them into the chat, Bill. So we mentioned, uh, you know, you're, you're a list maker, you're growing a successful tech business. We're talking about thriving in life and business as a black entrepreneur. What does it mean to you to have a successful business? Uh, for me, it looks like freedom, um, freedom of time, um, being in control of my time. And, you know, last week, uh, I told my team, actually, I told my team a, a month ago, I said, I'm taking the whole month of June off, okay? And as June started to approach, uh, they said, now, when are you leaving? <laughs> I said, I'm actually not taking the whole month off, but I'm leaving for about a week. I was able to take my son and my, my nephew out, you know, on a, a, a road trip, and we kicked it. And uh, went to Kings Island and Cincinnati Reds game and Muhammad Ali Museum, Slugger Museum, NFL Hall of Fame Museum. We were, we were kicking it, right? And I would check in with my team twice a day, you know? And, and if I had a job, I couldn't do that. If I had not built a business to a certain point, I couldn't do that. So that's what, you know, building a successful business means to me. It really means freedom of time for me personally, but also my family. Yeah. And you mentioned family. I don't see any hands in the room. Lee, I know family is important to you and you have a beautiful family. How have you been able to, you know, balance, for lack of a better word, you know, life, family, building multiple businesses, serving, starting the table? Like you didn't have to do that. Though. Like that was something you, that you're investing time in. How do you balance all these different aspects of life? You know, uh, entrepreneurship takes a certain amount of insanity and kind of scrambled brain. So... <laughs> So I've, I've been able to tune into that um, craziness. And just, you know, for, for me, it's, um, you know, kind of Bill, Bill hit it just perfectly. I mean, it's, it's the freedom of being able to do it. So I don't feel like I'm working uh, when I'm doing the things that I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm putting together a real estate deal, and I'm working on a couple of them now and getting stuff to bankers. And as Delisa mentioned earlier, I, just, I have a good team of people, but I'm the only person that I have to write a check to to pay. I mean, I pay, pay companies and consultants and everything. I don't have a payroll, uh, which means I don't, have to, I don't have to take time to do payroll. I mean, I just, we pay out, you know, our consultants and everything, uh, but everybody's doing what they have to do. So that frees me up. In, a, in the real estate business, you know, you have the, the point where you're planning it and pulling, to, pulling it together. But once it, once it breaks ground, I'm not the GC, so I'm not out there making sure the nails are going in the ground and, you know, going into the boards and, and all that stuff. I'm, I do go out and look at the projects and monitor them as they go up. But, you know, that, that frees me up with some time. Uh, and so, like, with the table, Kate and I, my, my co-founder, we kind of tag team. And we really, you know, we kind of delegate to each other, hey, I want to handle this, she's going to handle that. And we're building a team of uh, part-time consultants even with the, with the table to help um, with the day-to-day. You know, for me, you know, I do that because the most important thing to me is my family. It's more important than anything that I do uh, other than serve God, you know, as, as God and my family. If it weren't for God, I wouldn't have my family. Uh, and so it's, you know, so I don't miss, uh, I do everything I can not to miss football games, basketball games, baseball games, track meets. And I got, and we have six kids in our, and we're a blended family. We have six kids. Oldest one has finished college. So she lives in Virginia. So we kind of take her off the list. 
we have a 19-year-old home from college. He's a sophomore in North Carolina A&T. You know, he's, he's taken to taking his eight-year-old brother to track practice. And so that, that frees us up. But we, you know, we also want to make sure that our kids, even though we have a younger group and an older group, they all get along. I mean, they love each other. Uh, and, and love each other because we all love, we loved all of them. And that's just what they saw, and what, how, we, how they grew up. And we all, you know, we have a son that's at UConn now. He's a freshman at UConn. So on the football team. Um, he played football, basketball, he ran track. I mean, he was an active kid, but all the entire family made it to his football games or basketball games in, in middle school and high school and elementary school. That was just, that's our priority. Uh, and so when, but, but I, I'll go back to say that, you know, from a work perspective, because to take care of all those people, you got to work, you got to make some money. Just the things that I've chosen to do when I left corporate America, I, I left because it was inflexible. It didn't allow me to do, pursue my passions as far as uh, owning, you know, owning businesses, especially in the real estate area. I've been buying real estate since 1991. So my first big purchase out of college was a, a duplex in Bordeaux. Uh, it's paid off now, but the, and the rent's not 365 a month anymore. So, <laughs> so, you know, so you're able to, when you're making those purchases and you're doing, making those investments early on, uh, and if it winds up being later on, then so be it. But you make those investments so that later on it gives you flexibility. So it's a sacrifice. My best friend paid the same amount, amount, same, same amount for a brand new car. Now, we don't know where that car is. He's like six cars in since then. <laughs> but I do know where my duplex is. And I get, I, get, I get calls about it all the time because people want to buy it. But I'm like, no, that's, that's like income. You know, that's, that's, I, I need that income. So it just gives me flexibility. So as you all are thinking about with your businesses, you know, build them with the mind of being able to focus on not just the business, but your lifestyle, your, your quality of life, to be able to do the things that, you're, that are important to you, mission-based stuff that you want to do, your families, you know, all that stuff. Build your businesses so that you can, you can spend time with, uh, with your family. Take a road trip with your kids. You know, uh, Delisa and her, and her husband, you know, every time I talk to them, I'm getting on a plane with the kids, you know. So, you know, but, but keep that because your family, man, you know, once, um, when it's all said and done, that's what you got. And depending on how you, what you did with them, that's, that's going to really be spoken back to you when it's time for them to take care of you. So take care of you, you know, really spend time with your family and, and enjoy that time. But when it's time to work, the grind does include Friday. You know, make sure you do your work. You know, don't, social media, unless that's part of your day-to-day schedule, you know, don't spend your time on the, too much of the social part of the social media but the social part for your business, yeah, the branding and all that stuff, you want to, that's part of your day. That's part of your business. But looking at the gossip and all that, that ain't really part of your business. You got to do that in your free time, you know. But in, in a lot of you, you know, you, re- you find you don't have that much free time because you spend time with your kids and, you know, all that stuff. You got to work out so you keep your stress level and your blood pressure down. You know, all that stuff is really important. You got to go for walks. I mean, you got to do all that stuff to really have a full life. But, you know, you should be enjoying the business that you're in. If you're not, find another business. And find one that you're going to enjoy. Mic drop. I see Shana. <laughs> we'll get your question and then we will wrap up because we have $10,000 to give away. Give me all of your tickets. If you haven't have <laughs> yes. voted for a company, I don't even have a company. Bring your tickets. Um, I have a two-part question, but I think it can be succinct. Um, tactically, if you are an um, entrepreneur support organization like Twin Day or Corner to Corner and things like that, 
you get lots of different personalities, right? So the first one may be better for Bill. If you have people who are not necessarily outgoing, but social media is an important part of our current landscape, um, any tips on how to encourage them or give them some maybe like, you don't have to be in front of the camera, but this is necessary. And the second one may be for either of my ladies over here is um, if you don't have a team and they really have audacious goals, which we really encourage, What's the first step? Like, I get now that you have a group call and you have contractors. If it's me, myself, and I, and Jesus at 2 a.m., what's the first step? And, and that will help as well. Yeah, yeah uh, real quick. So I, I just think uh, entrepreneurship is about growth. It's about personal growth, personal development. And in order to, you know, you, you just mentioned somebody may have these big, hairy, audacious goals. In order to reach the goal, we can't reach big goals being the same person we are today. Because where we are today has, has, or our belief system has gotten us to where we are today. The person we are today has gotten us to where we are today, if that makes sense, right? So if somebody's an introvert, then you need to work on that. If, if, if you need to not necessarily be an extrovert to the 10th degree, but we need to get out of our comfort zone, like, like uh, Lee mentioned earlier. So, so we need to do things that are going to make us uncomfortable so that we can grow and develop because I was able to, to build a, a business of a certain level of success, but I had to become a different person. So there's a concept called be, do, have. You got to be before you can do and you got to do before you can have. So the have is what the, goal, the goals that people set. I want this amount of money. I want this lifestyle. I want this car, this house. I want this type of business. In order to have that, you have to do something, right? So we got to do the work. But a lot of people don't do the work consistently because they have not become the right person. So if we focus on becoming the right person first, we'll be able to do the work consistently and then have whatever goal we set. I want to add on and then feel free. Um, so when I first was given the, the mission for Storyville. It was me, myself, and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And e even I told my husband, and he was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, imagine telling your husband you want to build an amusement park. It just, it didn't go, it didn't go well. Um, but I was waking up at two o'clock in the morning with this anxious feeling that something inside of me needed to come out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I, what do you do? I didn't have a team. I didn't have people that could see what was in my head. And so what I did was I pulled up my computer and I pulled up PowerPoint and I start finding pictures that were close to what I was seeing that this could be and trying to find words to what the mission was to where I could put it on paper and someone else could see it. And I mean, it took, this has been five and a half years ago. My development company wasn't then what it is now. You know, I didn't have extra resources to go pay a consultant 50000 to go and, you know, um, help me do research to find out if this is a sufficient market. It, it, it wasn't, it didn't start off like that. But there is this word that I've had to sit with called sacrifice. And, uh, and how much are you willing to give up to, to get this done? For me, I hear the, the journey of entrepreneurship, my experience is a, is a little different. There were years where we, we talk about now, my husband and I going on trips, but there were years where we did not. Because instead of paying for this travel, we need to invest in our company. Every dime that we made from our automotive, automotive company went back into the company. We didn't pay ourselves for years because it was that important for us to grow, to grow, to grow. And, and sometimes you see these dollars 
and it's so easy. I want to go out and buy some clothes. I want to go. I bought myself two pair of shoes a year, you know, and 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 even still, I mean, it, it just is. It's one of those things where how much are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you're going? And um, once you get there, it's worth it, you know, and and you set these goals and you hit them. And uh, and and then you can start enjoying. I mean, the journey was enjoyable, but it was it was a sacrifice. Even even personally, I know I've heard you talk about just even your own professional aspirations, like sitting them on the back burner. Yeah. To and that's that was also part of the sacrifice. Like I want to do this, so I even think about that sometimes in terms of like. Um, I think I was sharing last week about this book called Essentialism and this practice that I am like, I feel like every month reminding myself like, what is essential? Uh, But the book, Greg McEwen, highly recommend. It's about the disciplined pursuit of doing less, but it's a big, like the theme is that. Like, what do you need to say no to today, this month, this year even? Like, that's good, but this is great. Yeah. In many cases, this is God, which means you can't do the good thing right now. Like the yeah, good I mean, thing has to wait. Yeah. You know, and so I know you've shared about that too in terms of just yeah. like your own personal, which can make you feel like you're not being true to yourself. Yeah. To a sense. And it can. I mean, you hear, you know, live today. You know, it, and 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 it's not that you're going against that. It's just that you have a vision mm-hmm. for where you're going, and in order to get there. You can't succumb to that temporary satisfaction of joining your friends at the beach, you know? Mm. So, um, so anyway, that's my two cents. You feel free. She has something. No, that was perfectly said. And, and when you talk about where you are, I'm going to take like that next part in what I call the value stream. That vision that she talks about is your anchor in the ground that keeps you there when things go crazy in the journey, when you're wearing multiple hats. So when you're when I think of multiple hats, I always say label them and then define what is it within this hat. Um, so when you get in business, you got sales, business development, you got operations, marketing, being a self-counsel, like therapist to yourself, like whatever categories it takes for your business to be successful, define what those hats are. For me, I have four children, 12, 8, 10, and 4. And so raising children is, is a lot of work, but that's a, that's a hat. So I need to label it. If I'm going to prioritize life, I have to look at work first because one of the biggest things is, is that keeps sticking in the side is the vision. So I got to approach that in a way that respects the priority of family. So that's something I still work towards every day. But I, now I can clearly label it to say, well, within this department that I have to wear this hat, where, within this department do I need to say what is... What is for this season? What is required in this? You're going to have your peak seasons where you're going to be working more than uh, to reach the next goal. But like it's clear and you say, well, this season, this I call my seasons my 90 days. And in this 90 day, it's going to require this. But I know my ultimate aim. And then it's like, but I'm wearing these hats. And then when I hit this milestone, the marketing hat goes off because for me, that's my... I can do it, but it's not my zone of genius. I'm here to do the operational side. So I need to keep pulling those hats off as as I hit these milestones. So I think I recommend for that person to label those hats and be clear in it and say, what is required? What is is essential um, within that hat? But what is my priority while keeping the anchor in the ground? It's a lot, but like if you, it helped keeps you um, focused. For me, I went back to my vision and realized, oh, there's a lot of hats that I put on myself that I kept because it was the, Oh, Dominique. And I say, oh, Dominique, I'm talking about two months ago. 
Uh, and so I think that that's something that I have to remove that hat and just be comfortable operating in this person that still is unrecognizable because I'm learning who that person is supposed to be and being okay with that, but definitely labeling those hats and identifying it, putting, putting a capacity on it. I don't go beyond a certain number of hours of work, no matter how uncomfortable it is for me to want to have the urge to go above that because of this season and what I've defined as my capacity. Now, there'll be a season coming soon that I know I'm going to be working a, a certain number of hours, but that's okay with me because I'm not here to be perceived as this hustler. Like it's, it's, it works for me in this season. It works for that. So it's like my intention is to do this. I'm going to reach my vision because I'm respecting the season and the bandwidth and the hats and, and what I put within those hats within that season. So that's what I recommend and definitely start here. Start there. Can we give it up for our panelists? Thank you for listening to Twin Day Rethinking Entrepreneurship, a podcast that features conversations with incredible Black and Latina business experts, investors, and other successful founders across Tennessee and other parts of the United States. We want this show to support you and reflect your realities that you face as an entrepreneur every day. So your feedback is appreciated. For a recap and transcript of this episode and to learn more about the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, including our Twin Day Accelerator, go to twindaytn.com slash podcast. If you learned something from today's episode, please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again to the David and Rebecca Clements family for your generous support. And until next time, let's go. Let's go.